It's that time of the week again, folks. This is me, your host, Richard Nicole, here in Bogota, Colombia, 2,600 meters closer to the stars. And this is episode 505 of the Columbia Calling podcast. Thank you so much to everybody tuning in from wherever you are around there in the world. It's a real, well, it's very flattering indeed to know that there are so many of you tuning in. Of course, last week's episode with the author Paula Delgado-Kling has been incredibly successful. I hope some of you are buying, have clicked on to buy her book. That's uh, her tale of Leonor. And there you can find all the relevant links on our social media pages, the story of a lost childhood where Paola talks, well, she's been over a decade discussing Colombia with a former FARC guerrilla who was essentially a slave, a young girl in the ranks of the guerrilla who then grew up there with the FARC guerrilla. So an incredible story to share. And of course, Paula reflects on her own upbringing in Colombia and gets quite emotional in the interview. So that's, uh, I think that's a sign that we we got through. Um, previous to that, we had Juliana Duque discussing, uh, well, is Colombian food bland? No, it's not. It is subtle. Um, well, it's up to you to draw a conclusion. I am inclined to believe what Juliana says after my 18 years here. Um, I do not eat ajiaco every day of the week, nor do I eat bandeja paisa every day of the week. But the availability of fresh uh, food in Colombia is, of course, second to none. Well, this week's very special guest is none other than photographer, originally from the UK, Natasha Joel. And she'll be talking about her inroads into spending a lot of time with the Arawaka women of the Sierra Nevada and photographing them. You can see on her website, again, all, uh, all, all links are on our social media, Facebook and so on. Uh, you can find out about Natasha's work, but it's a really nice, uplifting conversation about someone who's really become part of where she lives. You know, this is not an expat uh, survival. Uh, it is an immigrant to Colombia living there, raising a family and becoming part of the community uh, properly so. So a nice, upbeat conversation. We've got some more in the pipeline for you in coming weeks, and we're working hard to bring you the most interesting and the most absorbing conversations about Colombia. So don't go away. We'll have some messages from our sponsors and we'll be back with the news with Matt DeSalvo. Emily Hart's uh, on a break this week and Matthew DeSalvo will be reporting the news and then Natasha Joel in segment three. Thank you again. Don't go away. The Columbia Calling podcast is sponsored by Latin News, a leading source of political and economic analysis on Latin America and the Caribbean since 1967. Their flagship publication, the Latin American Weekly Report, provides a behind-the-scenes briefing on all the week's key developments throughout the region. Sign up for a 14-day free trial at latinnews.com. We are also sponsored by... BNB Columbia Tours, which is a leading tour operator providing a wonderful range of exclusive small group shared tours for those over 50, along with customizable private tours to both popular and off-the-map destinations throughout this beautiful and diverse country. If you're interested in experiencing one of their unforgettable journeys through Colombia, be it a shared tour with like-minded travelers or creating a unique 
private package of your own, just complete the form on the Columbia Calling website, that's www.columbiacalling.co, or the BNB Columbia Tours website, that's www.bnbcolumbia.com, and they'll be in touch within 24 hours to answer all of your questions and to start the planning of your exclusive Colombian adventure. So that's bnbcolumbia.com and latinnews.com. Thank you for supporting our sponsors. I'm Matthew DeSalvo and these are your headlines from Colombia this week. Protests erupted in the capital of Bogotá last Thursday after President Gustavo Petro mobilized crowds. Protests came after the High Court announced that it had again failed to pick a successor to replace outgoing prosecutor General Francisco Barbosa. A crowd of protesters blocked the entrance to the Justice Palace's exit after lawmakers announced they would vote for a new chief prosecutor in two weeks. A rock was thrown at a court magistrate, while others were locked inside for hours. Colombia's government and the National Liberation Army, or the ELN, have announced the extension of a ceasefire. The ELN, Colombia's largest guerrilla group, promised to stop kidnapping civilians for ransom and said in a statement that the new six-month ceasefire would see them not recruit children under 15 for military activities. The rebel group, which formed in 1964, has been in peace talks with President Petro's government since 2022 as part of the Colombian leader's total peace plan. Meanwhile, the Segunda Marquitalia, an ex-FARC dissident group, announced on Friday that it had entered into peace talks. The group said in a joint statement with the Colombian government that it would ask the United Nations and the governments of Cuba, Norway and Venezuela to accompany the process. The Segunda Marquitalia is one of the largest criminal groups in the country and operates on the border with Venezuela. It is made up of rebels that rejected the country's 2016 peace deal with the FARC. Leftist leader President Petro's controversial total peace plan will see the government open peace talks with the country's many criminal groups. On Saturday, chaos erupted in the city of Tuluá in the department of Valle del Cauca. After Colombian police captured, captured crime boss Mauricio Marin Silva, also known as Nacho, a number of vehicles were set on fire and a bus driver was killed. Authorities say that criminals ordered the mayhem from prison cells to send a message to the police following the arrest of their boss. The city's mayor, Gustavo Belez, announced a curfew for citizens and said the city would be militarized. The army have since since been sent in. President Petro wrote on X, the platform formerly known as Twitter, that the Colombian government would not accept blackmail. And the country's top central banker said last Wednesday that interest rates should not be cut too fast. Governor Leonardo Villar said in Cartagena that the current level of 8.35% was still well off the inflation target of 3%. Inflation in Colombia dropped last month to a two-year low, but it is still well above other Latin American nations. The El Nino weather phenomenon could also play a part in pushing food and energy prices up higher, the central banker added. And on Saturday, a 20-year-old Colombian woman was found dead inside a suitcase in the city of Medellin. The death of Laura Isabel Lopera has made headlines because her boyfriend, a Canadian, is the prime suspect, according to the attorney's office. It is also the second time a woman has been found dead in a suitcase in Colombia's second largest city in the past month. 
Medellin Mayor Federico Gutierrez announced Saturday evening that the prime suspect had fled the country. The case comes one year after American John Paulos was accused of killing his Colombian girlfriend Valentina Tres Palacios. It is alleged he put her body in a suitcase and disposed of it in a dumpster in Bogota. His trial is ongoing. A number of tourists have died in the city of Medellin under mysterious circumstances this year. On Friday, a Dutch man was found dead in a hotel. He was the fifth foreigner to be found dead last week alone. And we're back. This is Columbia Calling, episode 505. Our very special guest. We've been in touch for a long, long time, but we finally made this come together. Photographer, artist Natasha Joel, who's up there in Minka. And I'm very happy that there's no rainstorm up there. There's no thunderstorm here in Bogota, although we need it because of the fires. And so the connection is actually very good. So welcome on the Columbia Calling podcast. Hi, Richard. How are you? I'm very well. I'm happy to know because obviously Minka, where you are, up in the foothills of the Sierra Nevada, just above Santa Marta, is, well, it's a kind of paradise. And as it's such a small town, we have lots of friends in common. (laughs) We do indeed. We Uh, do indeed. It's a small world, isn't it, in the expat Colombia, I think. I'm going to say immigrants to Colombia because we're here and we're not going anywhere. (laughs) um, How, since you, I mean, you've been in Minka, you've been in Colombia since 2010, but you've been in Minka since 2014. What, um, how has the town grown since 2014? The town has grown a lot since 2014. Mm. Um, When I first came to Minka, which I think was in 2012, just on a visit, there were three hostels. So there were Casa Loma, I think there were Oscar's Place and then uh, La Casona. Um, And now I think there could be possibly over 200 hostels now here in Minka. It's absolutely exploded. Um, Obviously not just in the town, but all around in the mountains. And um, yeah, it's a really popular place for people to come now. Really popular. It it is a beautiful, beautiful place. I kind of wonder, because I haven't been there since before 2010, I don't think I've been there, or 2011. Um, And I kind of wonder where you fit 200 hostels. I know that it's natural area all around and land to build on. But the town itself is a very, you know, it's kind of the bridge and a couple of roads. Um, I guess people have just had to develop into the jungle. Yeah, what's happened is um, now the town has kind of expanded a lot. So whereas before some of the waterfalls were quite kind of, remote now all of kind of that has all been developed and when I say hostels I mean I'm not talking big hotels I'm talking some Airbnbs and places with maybe one or two rooms but you know there are plenty of places to stay lots of nice new restaurants cropping up and um yeah just it's just developing you know as a lot of other places in Colombia are it's true I mean well I when I opened up our first place in Montpos it was there were 10 hotels and they were just, I mean, that's a town of 40,000 people, but there were 10 hotels that were owned by people who just sort of inherited them. So it didn't really matter whether they had a flow. It's kind of that thing. But yeah. then, now, of course, I don't even know how many there are. Um, but that's what's happened. Um, and Minka itself is, as I said, it's kind of idyllic as well, right there. 
not in the heat of Santa Marta, at, but with the view. You know, you're up there in this green cornucopia of nature, looking down at the Caribbean and the lights of Santa Marta and the sunset. And also when it's a storm, it's spectacular, the lightning strikes. I mean, pretty inspirational for an artist. It absolutely is. It's absolutely uh, a one, one-stop inspiration. Um, the jungle, the river, the view, the mountains, the animals. I mean, it just in our garden in the morning, I can probably see about 10 or 15 species of birds just flying past, sitting on the wall, sitting on the trees opposite, the amount of flowers in our garden, the amount of... Um, it's just stunning. It is absolutely... I think it's as close to paradise as I could imagine. Well, that's it. I mean, I know that you lived in Kensal in, in London, Kensal to Minka. <laughs> it's, it's, quite, it's about as extreme as it gets. But that's it. Now, you, I mean, you are an artist. You are a photographer. I think at the beginning, we know that you did photography tours up there. But as with everyone, we've evolved or had to show an evolution due to the pandemic. Uh, 2020 everything sort of collapses and your work really and i know previously you were doing a book about uh the arawaks if i'm not mistaken uh, how did how was that received so no in the end we didn't publish the book the oh, book no. wasn't completed no um what we did in the end we did i did um a few articles in in a magazine mm. so it became into the book kind of turned into a journal by the okay. publisher so I was featured as part of that um it was very well received recently um I've just been part of the festival of photography in Santa Marta and they've actually used a lot of the work that I've done with the Aruacos mm -hmm. um and they um, launched a new magazine called Capture Life and for the first edition, one of my photos was chosen for the cover. So um, the work's been really well received here in Colombia. I think people are very interested in this type of um, photography, especially because it's actually quite rare to get these types of shots, um, such intimate shots in a, in a community. Now, this is amazing. I mean, you know, obviously you've been there you know, let's say went was ten years now in Minka. Uh, is it a question of being there for time that has given you access, almost let's say unrivaled access to the Arawakos? Because you know they do not, you know, like any like any uh, family, they do not want to be uh, overwhelmed by let's say, tourists taking photos. So you're not a tourist, you are an immigrant, you are a resident. Uh, but how did you, I'd say, earn their trust? Well, it's quite a long story and it took quite a long time, actually. Um, so I was introduced to Judith Torres um, in 2014 and she is the leader of the Arawaka Women in Magdalena. They were looking to document and promote how they make the mochila, the traditional mochila arawaka here in Colombia. Because what was happening is there was a big kind of um, gap between what the women were actually earning for their work 
and between what the shops were selling them bags for. So there was a huge gap and the women weren't really earning what they should have earned for, for their work. So they asked me to, to come along and document that they were looking specifically for a woman, a female photographer, because it was to go and specifically work with the women of the group. Mm-hmm. So this took me six months, maybe seven or eight months of interviews with the governor of the group. I had to have various interviews with different mamos from the group. Um, and so all of this took probably about, as I say, between six and seven months. Mm-hmm. And then in the end, they gave me, they passed me. They said, yep, she can come. And they took me to my first community. So I went with Judith. And we took the photos. I really enjoyed it. I stayed with them. We came back. So then she called me again a couple of months later and said, would you mind coming to another community? We'd like to introduce you to some more women. We're having a huge meeting. And basically all of the women from all of the communi- communities around um, in Magdalena are coming for a, a big, big meeting. So I was invited to that and then I shot that and there were probably about 200 women at that meeting. It was a huge, huge meeting and it was all, um, I mean, a lot of the stuff I didn't get involved in. So I was just kind of, you know, again, documenting the mochila, documenting, you know, the 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 meeting, their, their relationships and the daily life. Um and then this kind of continued for two years. Again, another, a couple of months later, I'd get another call. And in the meantime, I you know, was supplying them with these images that they could use on their social media, that they could use for their exhibitions, for their, you know, their um, exhibitions in, you know, selling, selling their work, because there's a lot of like ferries that, you know, people can go to. So, so that was kind of all in hand. But then through all of this work, I started realizing that I was actually taking a lot of very intimate portraits kind of alongside these kind of documenting the mochila, hard, you know, very documentary photos. So I started kind of um, just observing like the amount of photos I was actually taking and drawing them, like separating them kind of into separate mini projects. Um and the relationship just kept developing and developing and they just kept asking me to come back and they didn't seem to ask anyone else. And to this day, I still work with them. I saw Judith probably it's probably eight months ago now, but we're still in contact. We still go out and take photos. My last photo shoot with them was 2023 last year. So, you know, it's been now this will be the 10th year I've been working with them and it doesn't seem to be fading. We're, we've just become very, very close friends, really. It's incredible. It's, uh, you are like, the, you know, this, this, wow, it's a privilege and it's flattering, you know, it's, it's a serious deal. It's an amazing, it's an amazing privilege. And one of them said to me, one of the women said to me, her name's Betsy, I will never forget. She said, Natasha, sometimes you just remind me of a child. You have a real innocence about you, a real authentic beauty that I often only see in children. And it, I, I felt very deeply touched by that. At first I was like, oh, I don't know if I should take that as a compliment. But now I see it as really a, a really deep compliment. But I think she was trying to say, you know, she, they don't see me as trying, you know, I'm not trying to manipulate or get anything out of them. It's a real, it's a beautiful union and a beautiful partnership. That 
that is a huge compliment. And I see it as a compliment because my, the, my hairs have stood on end on my arm because I can see there is, you know, there, there is an importance to what they're saying. You know, somebody does not have to say that to you. They don't no, have to do no. this. You are a, well, I, would you say that you have, uh, you know, let's say crossed the threshold of being a guest to being someone who is now, I was uh, totally accepted within the community? I, it's difficult to say. I think they have said to me that, you know, I can come anytime. I ha I can do whatever I want with the photography. I've checked with them numerous times before I've published anything. Do I have permission to publish these photos? Are you guys okay with it? Yes, Natasha, we completely trust you. If you think this is going to benefit us and it's going to help get the word out about us and spread our message, then please do whatever you need to do. So I think that element of trust goes very deep. So I would say I'm definitely more than a guest. Yeah, I definitely I, feel very much part of their community. I, I would say definitely that you you crossed that threshold there. What I I'm thinking of a, a personal experience. I was in Vaidupar in 2007, and it was the uh, Vayanato Festival. I Anyone who knows me knows that I, after that experience, I don't like Vallenato. Um, but I was covering it to write articles because culturally it's fascinating. And of course, yes. the different. But of course, there were there were indigenous um, people from various areas around there, from Magdalena as well, who brought in their wares yeah. to sell it. And of course, there was the the Zenu from Cordoba were bringing in all of their different hats you know and uh, uh -huh. and, I, and i asked if i was allowed to take a photo and the indigenous the, like the leader of this zenu i guess stan was in such shock that i had asked permission uh, and he was like nobody asks i was like well this is you know this is your culture this is your yeah. uh, items and i am an intruder and a you know a camera is intrusive and I wasn't taking yeah. a picture of anyone. It was just it was just one of those awesome pictures of all the hats on the wall, you know, taken quite close up to show the weave. And he was just like, come back anytime you want. And I wasn't even buying a hat. <laughs> so so yeah, I, I, I guess, you know, you have a very different, you are not going in there and shoving the camera in anyone's face. You have been around for such a long time that you're just accepted and you no, I wouldn't say ignored. But you can move with a, 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 an easiness, I would say, amongst the community. Yes, definitely. I feel very comfortable. I don't feel like I have to um, wait to be to be asked to do anything. I feel like they want me to show my creative vision. So that's why they they always say to me, the women always say to me, no, if, if you want us to move, if you want us to go in this light, if you want us to, to do anything, please tell us. They're very cooperative. And I really see them really enjoying having, them, having their photos taken. We have a really good time. You know, sometimes it's joking and it's fun. And I think these parts of Indigenous life you often don't see because unfortunately... A lot of the news about Indigenous people is sometimes very sad. It's, you know, someone's territory has been taken or something, you know, something sad has happened to the communities. So 
we often don't get to see the fun times. And I think that element is very human. We all laugh, you know, we all cry. We all do silly things. We all stick our tongue out. We all, you know, we, we're we all human. And I think that's the bottom line. Like, let's not see these differences. Let's see what we've got in common. Let's look look for the similarities and look for these unions because I really truly believe that's how we begin to understand each other better as human beings. I think this is, uh, this is incredible. And tell me about the communities. Tell me how far into the Sierra Nevada have you gone? I mean, what's the experience? Oh, well, now that is an experience. So, um, well, let me tell you. So from Santa Marta, it's it's a bus ride to the city of Fundacion, which mm-hmm. is further in, in inland. So it's on the coast, on the other side of the Sierra, um, Nevada. And then it's about four or five hours up a mountain on a motorbike. It's a little bit perilous. <laughs> Could be quite nerve wracking, but it's, you know, it's all about the adrenaline, isn't it? And you get some amazing photography because there is nobody there. There's, you won't see another tourist in that region. And then after that, there is a community at the top of the mountain there, which you can, which I, you know, can go and stay with sometimes. But sometimes that's a stop point for the night before we go another five hours on, on a mule hmm. down into the valley to another there are another two communities down in the valley so it's not you can't do it in a day (laughs) you need a couple of days to go and um you know when you're out there when you've only you know you've traveled in the jungle for four hours on a mule you know you're really (laughs) in the middle of nowhere (laughs) it's a, a different type of silence it's fantastic it really is so for those of you uh, maybe looking at the map urgently, Fundacion is is traveling south about an hour and a half from Carta, from Santa Marta. Is it's right next yeah, door to Aracataca? It's exactly it's and the it's city nearest Aracataca. Hellishly hot. Um, yes, it's a dusty <laughs> hot town. And then you get up into the mountains and the cool and so on. Do, I mean. When you say you're going up there, is this near to Nabusimake or is this a different area? It's not it's not that far, but it's it is a different area. It's kind of on the other side of a mountain peak. Okay. So you would I think it's probably about five hours away. So they all are relative. relatively <laughs> it's all relative. <laughs> Especially when you're on a mule. It's all relative. Exactly. <laughs> but if you told me it's like five hours on a mule, then I would prepare for five hours on a mule. And if it turned into six hours on a mule, I think my my hips and 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 my glutes would would certainly be uh, screaming at me. <laughs> it's difficult to walk when you arrive. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet, but it must be amazing because this is this is sacred land, a protected land. Obviously, yeah. no development. Yeah. You are really in there. I mean, that's that's. You know that. I have to ask. I have to ask because you're so far in there, and that, that area has obviously uh, suffered a lot in the conflict uh, long run. Are there, uh, you know, are there groups? Are there uh, para, not para, paramilitary or guerrilla groups in those areas, or have they been through? Um, yeah, I mean, the area was a real kind of red zone before. Um, yeah. uh, actually, a lot of people who live in Minka now were originally from that area and they got uh, they were displaced 
and moved to Minka to set up their coffee farms. But no, that area was a hugely, hugely dangerous area before. There still are some police and army stops on the route up. They they do check for your identification more. I mean, they don't have that in Santa Marta, Cartagena, these kinds of areas. So there possibly is an element of that, but it's not as public as as yeah. before, because obviously, yeah. you know, the, the peace treaties and everything that we're we're yeah. managing at the moment. I did have to I did have to ask that because you know I also want to want to ensure that we that there'll be people listening to this going oh sounds like an adventure please refrain not because yeah. of the security it's because you need permission from the people yeah. themselves. Yeah, you can't just yeah. head up there. No. And I think the thing is as well, Richard, to remember, I mean, there aren't any hotels. There's nowhere to stay up there. I mean, it really is the middle of nowhere. Um, I don't, I think I'm probably one of the only foreigners that's, that's been up there, to be honest, Um, because there's nothing there. You know, there's a, there's a meat, there's a butcher's, there's the billiards, the pool hall, and there's the shop that sells, you know, the stuff for the, the ferreteria and the shop that sells the, the cerveza. For, yeah. for, for Sundays, I um, you can't lack the billiards ball. Um, that has to be there. No. Someone had to track those tables up there. <laughs> I know. I can't <laughs> even imagine, but yeah, I mean, you know, they manage it. It's fantastic logistics. They have slate in them <laughs> underneath. <laughs> I was like to get them up and over, but they did it. Because I was thinking, you know, you you I mean we've been talking about the Arawakos, which is you know one family, but in when you talk about the Sierra Nevada and the extension through Fundaciones Magdalena, but if you just go across from Bosconia, you're already into Cesar. And then you're into sort of territory of the Canpuamo, and then I'm thinking of, well, further north, the Kogi, and then if we think further northeast, further up, obviously into the desert, the Wayu. Have you, have uh-huh. you been, um, have you been uh, photographing any more of these different uh, Aboriginal families? Funnily enough, you should say that, actually. I have done quite a few shoots in La Guajira with the Wayu. Um, a lot I mean, a lot less intimate because these were only like um, staying for a few more days. I think the why you were generally a little bit more open. They seem to be not as closed um, together. And I think because La Guajira has had some form of tourism, you know, Cabo de la Vela, there, there is some. So they are fairly used to other people coming in, whereas the Yarrawaco communities where I go, you know, there there are no outsiders. There aren't even any other Colombian outsiders, let alone a foreigner. So, mm. you know, no one goes there, just the people who live there. But no, um, the YU I found were really open, actually. They really, they also enjoyed me taking photos. I went out into the desert in Punta Gallinas and took photos of a, a family and the teenage girls were having a water fight. And they just had the water fight in front of me with their, you know, little plastic bottles in the desert. So it's quite, you know, it's quite a, a strange image having a water fight in the desert, um, the indigenous girls. But, you know, they let me happily snap away. So I think water being about so how you important. approach people. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think it's about how you approach people, really. Sure. So, Surely. I wanted to ask a bit because you've obviously had this uh, opportunity to be there in such an intimate setting. Have there been 
Is there something anecdotal you can tell us about being there, about maybe, I don't know, sacred practices or something? Because you've been there. I mean, this is this is totally otherworldly for me. Um, I think a lot of the, no, because I think a lot of the visits I've been there specifically to kind of talk to the women. I wouldn't say that we've done kind of any ceremonies or rituals um, on the shoots. I have been invited by Mamos to have kind of, um, they call them like limpieces. So it's like to kind of clean the spirit up. So I have had uh, meetings and um, kind of ceremonies with Mm -hmm. Mamos to kind of clean my spirit. Um, And funnily enough, I went to one of the communities when I was pregnant, but it was actually before I knew I was pregnant. And the Mamo actually called me in to speak to him. And he said, I really want to speak to you. I really want to give you a blessing. And so I said, okay, well, that that would be lovely because, you know, I visited the community. And he said, no, I really want to give you a blessing. This is a blessing. And he gave me the, you know, the cotton wristbands. Have you seen Mm -hmm. them? Mm -hmm. So they give you a cotton wristband and they tie it around and it's like a protection. So, um, and he said, I really want to do this with you. So we have, we had a little ritual and, and I went away. I didn't think anything else of it. And the month later I found out I was pregnant and I just thought to myself, I wonder if he knew because it was very strange that he called me in specifically and wanted to give me a, a blessing of protection specifically for me. I so, and there were other people there. So, and that just makes me wonder sometimes, but, um, and I actually, had a ceremony with a Kogi lady here as well when I was pregnant to kind of give a blessing for my baby. So it's kind of a nice, a nice kind of circle of kind of life, I think. Um, and my daughter's actually called Sierra. So okay. <laughs> there you go. Well, I think, I think he knew, I think he knew, I believe in this, you know, a different, a different sense, a different understanding of the natural world. Uh, yeah, by people who live amongst it, uh, and of course, these things are so important. This uh, true espousal with nature, I would say. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, sort of. I would again, Pachamama would be the one I want to say. But uh, is yeah, I mean, you spend time again, Arawakan women. Is it a matriarchal society? Not so much, no. I think it's still a patriarchal society, really. Yeah. Um, But I think that's another reason why the women wanted me to work with them. It's kind of spreading their message. Because historically, if you look at most of the articles that have been written in the press in the UK, internationally, and and Colombia, normally the focus is on the mammals because they are kind of the holy leaders. They're the people that speak out about climate change. They're the people that speak out about, you know, the the injustice for, you know, land rights. Um, And they're kind of in the spotlight a lot, I feel. And I feel like the women don't always get the opportunity to share their story. So I think that's why this project was also very interesting because it's really the first time the women's story has been shared in a in a visual way like this. And it's also by, you know, a female photographer, which I think is that's a lot of the strength of this project as well. I think this is, this is impressive because not only do you have this unrivaled uh, 
uh, access, but you know, obviously you have been able to take these photos down, these images down, Festival of Photography in Santa Marta. I know that you've set up the Sanctuary Arts Studio in Minca, and out of this, you are uh, creating art that is now, what do we call it, uh, mindful artwork? What, what, tell us about this. So basically, as, as you mentioned previously, um, I was running a photography tour company here in Minka. It was going really well, um, but then COVID hit. And so obviously everything shut down kind of overnight. Within, you know, within a week, everything was kind of closed. So I started thinking, well, let, you know, what can I do? Well, I've got a lot of art prints because obviously I've been taking a lot of art prints since I arrived in 2010. So a huge collection. Um, and so I thought I'd put some of them online and start selling them. And um, I sold one. I sold some to a friend and she said to me, Tash, you're doing an amazing thing. You're actually creating a sanctuary for people when they need it most. We're all in lockdown. We can't go out. We're stuck at home and you're really trying to like brighten up our, our spaces. Mm -hmm. And I thought that's my concept. That's my new, that's my business. I want to create happy and healthy spaces for people via art, via my photography. And then the Sanctuary Art Studios idea was born. And so now, yeah, I say mindful art to create your happy and healthy space. Mm -hmm. And um, and it's going well. I've got um, some really beautiful collections, a lot of them based around nature, obviously here. Um, and yeah, some really, really beautiful artwork. And, and and how can people see your artwork and, and where are they selling? So I sell a lot in the UK um, and I sell a lot to hospitality um, businesses here in, in the, on the coast, because as you know, the coast is, you know, full of hotels. It's a beautiful place to come on holiday. Um, so I'm kind of working in those two spaces at the moment, also working with interior designers um, when they are kind of renovating a space so I can include my art but I sell it online I've got a, a website called sanctuaryartstudios.com and you can buy the art directly online but you can also um, book a call to have a chat because I, I understand that also buying art can be a big decision and sometimes people do like to have a consultation um, I love looking at the purpose of a space I love looking at things like feng shui in 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 a space. So you know, there's a lot more that goes into it than just an aesthetic mm. kind of look. It's, it goes a little bit deeper. It's it's positivity, isn't it? I can see that. Uh, yeah, positivity, authenticity. Uh, you know, uh, spreading spreading the spreading you know a good feeling or an aura. Um, sanctuaryartstudios.com everyone look at that i wanted to ask another thing while i'm still here thinking about it all and so we can find you at that um you sell a lot in the england you sell or the uk you sell a lot on the coast uh, do you do commissions is what i wanted to ask yes i do do commissions so i work on commissions for people if they if you have a business um it could be a hotel or, or your home as well um, I like also working with people who have offices because offices also need like, you know, artwork to inspire and maybe like help the creative flow. So, yeah, I work on commissions if people if people want them. 
I would work with all the officers because they all need inspiration, <laughs> <laughs> especially ones with cubicles. God. <laughs> oh dear. So your life is is, I would say, I mean, it's as far uh, displaced from an office setting, but you you do help those suffering in offices. <laughs> but it is amazing, uh, Natasha, that it should all evolve into something. I mean, you know, we're sitting here in the, in the you know, just we've only met virtually, but we've spoken for, for many years. Um, while I would say I, I don't have the spiritual knowledge to be able to say that you have the beautiful naivety of a child, I can say here, that you seem an incredibly happy and balanced person through this, what, what you are doing. I think this comes across in our conversation now. You have found meaning, I would want to say. Yeah, I think I have. And I think um, when you mentioned the office, I, I I left London because of that. I used to work in advertising. I had a really, I had a very nice career. It was a lot of fun. But I kind of felt jaded and I had a real creativity that I needed to unleash. And I think coming here to Colombia, working especially with the Arawaka women, um, they also have helped me release my creative vision because they have always had such an undying faith in my work that that gave encouragement to continue the knock-on effect was you know recognition for my work you know magazine covers exhibitions and through that I've gained confidence in my other artwork so it's amazing Colombia has been pivotal in my journey in my life's journey and actually meeting the women have been pivotal in turning me into the artist that I always wanted to be oh that's I mean I think as we wind this down it's just a wonderfully positive way of, of finishing off what has been a, a very open and enjoyable conversation memorable in its uh, enjoyment i wanted i wanted i just thinking about all of the people that i know in minka up there there's a lot because <laughs> yeah i get and it's more and i many i mean i've had jay uh, Speller, who is now some is a musician and one of the founders of the Casa Loma, I believe, has now stepped away from that and is now sort of DJing. But I've had someone else in Minka. We've been running for more than ten years now. Shannon Doa, I remember her name. Oh yes, I know Shannon. Yeah, is that her yeah, name? yeah Shannon. she's great. Uh, and yes, she runs yes. like a like a museum type thing. I think that unfortunately uh, packed up in COVID as well. Uh, it's uh that was doing really well she had the minka museum um but now she's moved back to the states actually oh dear because yeah. I, I on the back of that i know that several people that went up and, and visited it and said it was the highlight of our trip to minka and yeah it was a really really yeah. good place yeah oh. yeah and she had some beautiful photography mm -hmm. so i used to go a lot and look at the photography there because of it's a passion of mine so i love yeah. looking at other people's photos as well very interesting yeah shame it finished she was very talented so i so i, I lament that that closing but COVID did so much on the back of that conversation that something is a totally anecdotal that's reminded me she she told me about the possibility of there being having been a nazi pilot living up in the hills behind minka after world war ii <laughs> i don't know about that <laughs> i had to ask because it's such a curious story i'll uh, I'll, I'll look that up I'll, I'll do some investigation and i'll get yeah. back to you Richard. 
okay. I like to hear about more about the Nazi pilot who, <laughs> who, who lived in the woods. Anyway, uh, that was totally out of left field for you there. But um, this is everyone, please check out sanctuaryartstudios.com. I'm sure you're on Instagram as well. Uh, yeah. Photographer Natasha Joel, that her surname is spelled J O H L. Uh, it's been it's been really fun, and hopefully our paths cross in in person at some point in the future, Natasha. Definitely, Richard. It's been great. Thank you for having me. You're you're most welcome. This has been episode five hundred and five of the Columbia Calling podcast. A great conversation that I know those of you out there have enjoyed immensely. Of course, if you want to support us, you just go to patreon.com forward slash Columbia Calling. Uh, but of course, we'll be back next week with more conversations that are columbia related i always say that the sort of columbia is the is the lens for our conversations because it doesn't so of course that works very well for you as a photographer natasha thank you again for your time up there in minka uh we'll sign off now but uh of course please tune in subscribe support share do everything else necessary and goodbye the Columbia Calling podcast is sponsored by Latin News, a leading source of political and economic analysis on Latin America and the Caribbean since 1967. Their flagship publication, the Latin American Weekly Report, provides a behind-the-scenes briefing on all the week's key developments throughout the region. Sign up for a 14-day free trial at latinnews.com. We are also sponsored by... BNB Columbia Tours, which is a leading tour operator providing a wonderful range of exclusive small group shared tours for those over 50, along with customizable private tours to both popular and off-the-map destinations throughout this beautiful and diverse country. If you're interested in experiencing one of their unforgettable journeys through Colombia, be it a shared tour with like-minded travelers or creating a unique private package of your own just complete the form on the columbia calling website that's www.columbiacalling.co or the bnb columbia tours website that's www.bnbcolumbia.com and they'll be in touch within 24 hours to answer all of your questions and to start the planning of your exclusive columbian adventure so that's bnbcolumbia.com and latinnews.com thank you for supporting our sponsors <laughs>